SMC Podcast. Back to another episode of the SMC podcast. Today on the line, we have Derek Human from Evergreen Church in Ann Arbor. Derek, how you doing today? Hey, I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for having me on, Jamin. Excellent. Now, uh, are we approaching what a, a whole year of Evergreen, or has it been longer than that? Uh, no, we're coming up on a year. It'll be a year in July. Okay. Yeah, I was trying to remember if uh, the official launch was an annual conference last year. Uh, or if you guys had already been going for a bit before that. Yeah, we started gathering in our home July 8th, so we're finishing up year one of church planting. Excellent. And that right there might uh, catch your attention, because you might be wondering, you know, what's Evergreen all about? On the podcast, we've been talking about dinner churches, we've been talking about uh, churches meeting in in, uh, areas around town instead of in buildings and church buildings and things like that, and you know, you just never know what we're going to run into next. And Derek's got a little bit of a, a community kind of church here. Uh, actually, you know what? I'm not even going to try to explain it because uh, I don't know how you guys have uh, changed over the course of time and all that. So why don't you tell us a little bit about like your model? How does that work? What is it that you guys look to do in Ann Arbor? Yeah, so everything that we've been doing so far has been in a way like a beta test. Um, we've been building this core community. We've been casting vision for everyone seeing themselves as an everyday missionary. That's the language we're using. Um, and we've been one centralized community, but the aim in which we're going towards is being a network of missional communities. Now, some of you might be thinking, what the heck is a missional community? Well, how we're describing missional communities, our missional communities are mid-sized groups. So they're smaller than a typical Sunday worship service, but they're larger than your typical small group. Um, So a missional community is about 20 to 40 people who all are rallying around a common mission to reach a particular neighborhood or network of people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so it's recognizing that God is already at work ahead of us through his provenient grace in all of these different areas throughout the city. And we are wanting to see the kingdom come more here in Ann Arbor as it is in heaven. So uh, with that, our model kind of brings about influences from a lot of different places. In one sense, we're deeply rooted in our Methodist and Wesleyan heritage, as we are um, of our community of about 30, uh, 21 of our 30 people are in discipleship bands. And these bands uh, herald back to the early Methodist movement. And these are groups of three to four uh, men or women who uh, pray together, hold one another accountable, seek to fellowship with the Holy Spirit, Uh, It's a space to fan into flame spiritual gifts and spiritual discernment, seeking uh, prophecy uh, for the other person, as the Apostle Paul says, seek and eagerly desire all the gifts, especially that of prophecy. 
And so um, those are really like the bedrock of our community and where we've spent a lot of our time this past year, um, just discipling, casting vision, equipping people in bands. Um, another thing that's really unique about Evergreen is we are an ancient future community, or I call it three streams. So we are seeking to live into the convergence of the evangelical, sacramental, and charismatic streams. Uh, we don't want to limit ourselves to a particular tradition, but we want to open ourselves up to all in which God uh, would like to form us and shape us and speak to us through. So what that looks like is, um, you know, there's more space for charismatic praying, for just listening to the Spirit. Um, we utilize liturgy. Um, we have communion every week. There's call and response. We, our sermon series have all been rooted to the church calendar. So we're currently in Lent. Uh, and we've been focusing on different spiritual disciplines, scripture, prayer, fasting, community. And last week we did sacraments. So we've been focusing rooted in the church calendar as we're seeking to journey to the cross. Um, but we also are doing sermon series like a lot of evangelical churches. Um, and another cool thing about us is we are uh, just beginning uh, this process, kind of ramping up to uh, launching missional communities here in the fall. And we don't have a set date for that as we're just kind of flexible and trying to be fluid, but um, we're really training. We have this first cohort of leaders. So I mentioned we are a community of about 30 people. I should also say all of us are in our 20s. Um, some young professionals, some grad school, some college students, um, but we're all 20 to 29 years old. Um, most, actually, the majority of the community is single, and uh, we only have two babies under the age of 15 months. So we are a unique population of people, um, and of this group, 10 of us are, we're equipping 10 to be these initial missional community leaders. And so we're beginning to train and equip them just as Jesus did with his disciples, with his 12, um, to really see themselves as leaders uh, wherever they live, wherever they work, wherever they play. They are missionaries, but they're also being set aside, set apart to lead God's people. And so we're, um, yeah, there's probably more I could say. I want to pause there, see if there's any further questions that we want to focus in on. Yeah, well, I mean, I just love that there's kind of like this mad irony about it. I was uh, just speaking in a Spring Arbor class the other day in one of Brian Kono's classes, and he was talking about how like, uh, well, somehow we got on the topic about like what the church looks like in the Bible and where the church is headed, and it doesn't exactly look like church as we, we think about it these days. You know, a lot of times mm -hmm. you're like, if I'm going to go to church, I mean, go in a building, some guy's going to preach at me for a long time. <laughs> We're going to sing some songs for a while, and maybe there will be uh, some other things that are added in. And, and the, just the way that we've always thought of church, right? Mm -hmm. um, and when, when people think of that, you know, there might be some out there that might be uh, finding themselves thinking, well, what Derek's doing doesn't exactly sound like church as I know it. It sounds more like a small group or something like that, which you've already yeah. clarified the difference on that. Uh, but the mad irony, I think, in all of that is uh, you, you quoted 1 Corinthians 14, you know, about how we need to mm -hmm. eagerly desire to prophesy. Uh, 
And that that verse right there comes straight out of a, a glimpse of the early church, um, really the only glimpse we get of what an early church service looks like, right? Uh, right. And everything that Paul had in there, the idea of like getting up on a stage and preaching for a long time and then and then playing some music, like you do have a moment for teaching in First Corinthians 14 as well as some music, but like those have been blown way out of proportion and that's all mm-hmm. church is for a lot of us now. So I just love that, like the way you're describing it, people might be like, well, that doesn't sound like church. And then you look at the Bible's understanding of what church is and it's like, man, that's actually more like church in its fullness than <laughs> than a lot of us would would picture just because we're so used yeah. to to church as it's been handed down to us. So it's just really cool to kind of look at an image of of what you guys are doing. Plus you're into these old school John Wesley bands and stuff and I do have a question on that. Yeah. Do you legitimately get together and look at each other and say, mm, what was the most recent sin that beset you most? <laughs> and straight up John Wesley, like, confess all your sins right now on the spot to each other. Type yeah. Thing. So these bands, we have uh, four of five of them, actually. Um, the questions we use to orient our time are as follows. Number one is, how is it with your soul? Number two is, in the since we've last been together, which most of our bands meet every other week. So in the last two weeks, where have you been struggling and where have you found success? Third question, what known sins have you committed since we were last together? Fourth, um, is there anything you're keeping secret or that you don't want to share? And then the last question is, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you and what are you going to do about it? Um, and so there is this mix, there is a blunt question of how have you sinned? Um, and again, the point of it is not to shame a person into, oh, I screwed up in this way, uh, recognizing that we all fall short of the grace of God, but that as Wesleyans, we believe that God actually can enable and empower us to not willfully sin. And so bands are a space where we actually practice what our Catholic brothers and sisters would call the sacrament of penance. But it's the space where we, looking back to the book of James, uh, James talks about how we need to confess our sins to one another so that we shall be healed. And so as we, within Evergreen, are really seeking uh, healing and wholeness found only in Jesus Christ, bands are that space where you can lay yourself open and just bear it all, so to speak, um, with trusted brothers and sisters, uh, depending on your gender, and say, this is where I'm at, and this is where I need help. It's not a space to cycle in your sin, but it really is a space because once a person shares this, the whole group uh, then says like, so Jamin, if you were to confess your sins to me, I would then, uh, you would pray that to the Lord. And then I would say, Jamin, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven, go and sin no more. And that, like that whole group of people is saying that to you. And so it's this space to renounce your sin be forgiven and then be encouraged and ex- uh, exhorted 
to go and live your life differently? And so uh, the traditional band questions are more focused on yourself. And these new questions, I'm influenced by the New Room Network uh, through Seedbed and Asbury Seminary. And these are their questions that I've uh, borrowed and adapted. Um, But it, it does balance between cleansing and accountability, but also this missional impulse and helping them hear from the spirit of what is God actually saying to you? And then what are you going to do about it? Um, So it teaches people that God does actually speak to us. And, but are we tuned into hearing his voice and then not just hearing something, but actually doing it, whether that means repenting, turning from our old ways to our new ways, or whether that means just like for example, um, like, hey, I, I met this person of peace. Uh, this person welcomes me, likes me, and is serving me. I wonder if I should invite this person over for dinner to just get to know their story. And so an action step could be, I think I just need to actually invite them over for dinner. So then the next time you get together as a band, your group can then be like, hey, did you invite so-and-so over for dinner? Like that was your action step, your follow-up from last week. So it's a way that the group itself can hold one another accountable, but it's also helping to reinforce that everyone is a missionary, that God is always speaking, and that there are a plethora of opportunities to help you grow and to join God in his mission to see the kingdom reigning in every heart and in every home in Ann Arbor and all over the world. So it's really cool. Um, I love bands personally. I've been in bands for the last four and a half years. Um, and I have had no other space in my life where I've had so much transformation and so much healing. And, uh, so that was like when I first talked with Bruce and Michael a couple of years ago about what God was laying on my heart to lead and the vision for a community. I was like, bands are a part of them. And I think we need to remember these really important discipleship vehicles. There is a power in and of themselves, but there are means by which God shows up in really powerful ways. And a biblical example of this would be Jesus with Peter, James, and John. And you see this intimate space. These are like the core of the core of the disciples. And these three guys got to witness and were privy to teaching and to experiences that none of the other disciples had. For example, they were the only disciples invited into um, Jairus's house to raise his daughter from the dead. They were the only disciples that were invited by Jesus up on what we call the Mount of Transfiguration to witness him in glory before the crucifixion with Elijah and Moses, and they were the only disciples that were invited to pray with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And so that we see something in the New Testament to this small micro-community, and that's what John Wesley picked up on and kind of infused this verse by Jesus' brother James as to the importance of confession and absolution of sin. So trying to recapture that for the 21st century. And so far, the testimonies of our 21 people who are in bands is that they are revolutionary spaces to experience God's grace and healing, and that no one has ever been that vulnerable 
or that open or um, has have experienced that much transformation outside of that space. So there's something to say to our larger conference and to the church at large of recapturing these discipleship bands uh, and that there's really this larger movement happening within the larger Wesleyan umbrella um, of people reclaiming this from our history. Um, it's a really rich thing. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm glad you said at the end that they're all attesting to like how revolutionary it is and for their life. I remember in college when I was learning about bands, I was like, I mean, this sounds pretty great, definitely sounds biblical, but <laughs> I thought we wanted people to come to church. <laughs> so <laughs> who's gonna go to church and be like, all right, everybody, here's all the horrible things I did recently <laughs> and just hope that that goes over well. Um, yeah. but you know, a lot of people end up in the only space that they can find something like that would be, uh, a recovery group like, uh, you know, mm-hmm. AA or celebrate recovery or something like that. And you hear about all the transformation in people's lives when they're honest about that in those kind of spaces. Um, but even those to some extent are kind of like a, a play upon what John Wesley put in so long ago. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I was always curious when I was in college. I was like, sounds great. I just don't know that anybody would ever want to go to something like this. Because it takes people an awful long time to to trust one another, to be able to go forward. Yeah. And I'm yeah. guessing, may, maybe you can speak to this. Did you find when you were implementing this, like, for the first few weeks or so, maybe even months, like, people weren't willing to really go deep or rather than talk about the sin that's really messing them up, they're kind of using, like, other little examples to cover until they're ready to go to that point. Did you see any Mm -hmm. of that? Yeah. So one of the things that I've learned in my four plus years of being in bands and one thing that we wanted to make sure and help our people since no one has ever done anything like this is that when we start a new band in Evergreen, we have someone on staff um, coach and model for the group of three to four Uh, what it looks like to be vulnerable and what it looks like uh, to be a healthy in a healthy band and a healthy band member. And so uh, my first time leading our, what I just call a round one men's band, uh, I went first and I did not hold back at all and just plunged to the depths of my soul and, and then came back up and was like, and that's me. And there's, there's, <laughs> they're sitting there, the two of them, they're like, holy crap. Like, <laughs> like, like that. And they just were like, that was brave. And that took courage. And wow. And that, what I found every time is that when someone, when you actually, someone that you trust and someone who uh, you look up to as a, you know, someone a little bit farther along in their spiritual journey than you, and they are that vulnerable, uh, and not in a self-deprecating way, but really one that is seeking to have Christ glorify in and through them. Uh, there's something that the Spirit does that just opens them up to be able to share. And so with both of these men, they, I mean, they also plunged the depths of their soul. And I was even a little shocked <laughs> at like <laughs> how fast like we got to the real heart of what's going on in their lives. And um, so we coach them for six times. So over a 12 week period to get them started 
to help them troubleshoot kind of group dynamics. And then in order to continue equipping and encouraging these bands, because we're not in them once we kind of commission them, we every quarter, we've only had one so far, we have what we call a bands brunch. And since we gather on Sunday nights, we just had everyone who's in band come on Sunday morning to our house. We made brunch and we just got to share our experiences in band and how being in band has encouraged or equipped us to be everyday missionaries, how it's challenged us in our discipleship uh, and the ways that they've seen healing. And so having these groups kind of cross pollinate and hear how Jesus is working um, in different ways was just really cool. And then we had some teaching and some equipping for them chat really challenged them to see that band is a space to fellowship with the Holy spirit and to really grow in these prophetic giftings, as well as um, listening to the Lord for yourself. Um, And then we actually had them break out across my, around my house, basement, living room, kitchen with those who were in their band to then process uh, what they just heard in the teaching and then what, steps they could implement moving forward. And so uh, that's just a way that we kind of bring the bands back together, make sure that everything's going okay, and then send them back out to continue journeying with one another. Gotcha. Yeah. And to all of our pastors who are listening to this podcast, I hope that Derek's example is like a, just something powerful for you to grab onto. You know, that I felt like I kind of entered this place like, okay, so I've decided I would like to be a pastor when I'm older, and I feel like what I've learned being in church my whole life is the pastor doesn't admit that much to weakness or to sin. Uh, It just kind of like preaches, you know, we should stay away from sin, but it's hard sometimes to relate because all these pastors seem like they aren't always extended the own possibility for themselves to... Mm-hmm. to confess or to be honest because they they have to be the example and be, you know, so held up high that they can't get there. And so you hear a lot of stories today where pastors are, like, falling out of sync, but, uh, you know, sometimes I hear those stories and I'm like, well, they probably don't feel like they've had anyone to talk to for a long time while mm-hmm. holding that in, and mm-hmm. now it's just finally imploded after all that time. And and uh, what what you're offering is... a a vision that I think a lot of pastors would love to grab onto. They just haven't been taught that they can. And I think it's cool that you are able to bring in like the very foundations of the Methodist movement to show us like, you know, there's, there's stuff here uh, yeah. that you can work with on that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I've actually, uh, a couple of our, four of our other pastors in the conference, I've started bands with them to help, uh, in a way, just for myself, have a space outside of Evergreen to process and to confess to, but also to try to share that vision um, to them so that they can catch it and take it into their context however they need to, but also just for their own souls. Because uh, I think you're right, growing up, I felt like there was this teaching of just like you have to be careful with what you share you can't actually be friends with your parishioners uh you need to have boundaries and i just encountered the opposite stream of that in seminary and just a lot of people challenging that and like where has that gotten us like people are just burning out burning up um 
falling out in every way. Uh, like we need authentic friendships and community and we need safe spaces and places, especially among fellow clergy um, to just journey because ministry is hard and we need those places to confess and to receive healing and absolution and to know that we're loved. And so, uh, like I said, bands is, there's no better place uh, than in a discipleship band that I've found. Yeah, that's good. I also love that, uh, you know, one of the hearts of the Methodist movement and the free Methodist movement is not just the idea that, like, we get saved and that's the end of Christianity as we know it, but rather the idea of entire sanctification is mm-hmm. we want to keep growing. Uh, we want to put on a little bit of a deeper holiness the next day. We want that kind of resurrection life that is already here, but also not yet here. The kingdom of heaven that's already here, but not yet here. We want it in more right. fullness to whatever capacity that we could have in in mm-hmm. this life and this time and space. And that's something that a lot of times um, we don't talk about because it can sound legalistic. It can sound uh, um, kind of pharisaical, like be better, be holier. Uh, but then you you come across groups like this that are really meant to like enable people to come in contact with the Spirit and let the Spirit mm-hmm. grow in them until they can reach a place where they're moving forward in sanctification, not just by their own effort, but really the enablement of the Spirit that's coming with the work of the Church. So it's just really cool to hear someone actually doing this, uh, and I, I hope motivational to a lot of our listeners, because, you know, again, if anyone was like me, you heard about these classes when you were studying Methodism, and you're just like, no one's ever going to go to that. And yet Derek's <laughs> showing us, really in the heart of Ann Arbor, uh, that this this does work and that this is powerful and it's it's moving people and growing people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do want to you've you've already talked about this and to some extent you've you've basically probably answered this question in fullness, but I, I do want to ask one of your groups that comes together and everything you do is in bands, right? You have like other groups as well. Uh, yeah. So right now we have bands that are the small like intimate space we have this our discipleship core which is our group of leaders that we're beginning to uh we've had gathered since january that's what we call personal space and then we have our larger mission initial missional community which is really becoming our core launch team uh that gathers sunday nights Uh, we do dinner we do word and table we do some singing we do some teaching Okay, that's actually what I was going to ask about, and you kind of answered it. But can you take us like, uh, kind of like uh, minute by minute? What does one of those gatherings look like? Sure. Yeah. So, um, so we were meeting in our home for the from July until beginning of March, and uh, we actually just transitioned spaces. There's another church in town called Huron Hills Church. Uh, they just have a huge kingdom heart and vision. I met them last year at a church planting conference. And the first thing this pastor said to me when I met him was, oh, hey, you're that church planter that's coming to Ann Arbor. Uh, one thing I want to talk about before I forget is you all meeting in our space once you outgrow your home, assuming that you're doing the missional community thing. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> hi. 
My name's Derek. Yes, I'd love I'd love to talk about that. And so they they um they're letting us meet there for free on Sunday nights. Like the pastor, his name's Nathan, and he's just like everything you see, as far as I'm concerned, belongs to Jesus. And so as long as you put everything back where you find it, like you can use anything that you want. And so the Lord's just been super, fa- like there's so much favor on us and it's just been incredible. But so we just this past week shifted our schedule up. Uh, so we start at four o'clock. So what ends up happening is we have a group of people come at three that helps with setup and we prepare the space and, um, then we have a pre-service meeting at 345 where we uh, just kind of go through the order of worship. We pray with those who are involved and we just pray that we as a community would encounter the presence of God. Um, meanwhile, people are coming in and getting coffee, getting tea, being greeted. Uh, then at four o'clock, everyone kind of, we, are, we meet in their chapel. And so we meet around tables and uh, we usually have a welcome, some announcements, and then some type of prayer. Um, and we really try to keep moving forward. We're trying to keep our, what I call word and table, which is the content of our worship. I'm not so much interested in talking about contemporary, traditional, um, I don't know, style is the least of my concerns. I'm more so focused on content. And so we do have a word and table uh, service or a gathering, which means that we will have prayers. Uh, we will hear various scripture readings, Old Testament, New Testament, gospel, psalm. Sometimes we won't have all four readings read every week. Sometimes we follow the lectionary. Sometimes we free flow it. Um, we will have singing. Um, sometimes we just have a guitarist. Sometimes we have guitar and cajon. Sometimes we have more instruments, but we keep our music pretty scaled back right now. Um, and then we have a sermon, usually 20 minutes, maybe 25 minutes. And then we all, we, what we've been doing throughout Lent is as a, as a corporate response we've been standing and reciting or proclaiming the Apostles' Creed as just reaffirming our faith and something that we can ecumenically agree on because we do have a couple um, Catholic Christians that are a part of Evergreen uh, to kind of supplement their faith journey. And so uh, this is something that we across Catholic, Orthodox, and Protestant traditions can affirm and so this is something that for them, they really look forward to every week, like being able to proclaim the Apostles' Creed together. Uh, then we transition into communion, and we always have confession, space for silent confession, space for public confession, and then I uh, proclaim absolution upon the community that they are forgiven and that Jesus loves them. And then we usually do some type of Eucharist liturgy. So sometimes I adapt um, the United Methodist Word and Table mixed with some Anglican Book of Common Prayer liturgy. Sometimes I'll just do the words of institution and say just a general kind of Thanksgiving prayer. Um, But the reason why we do that, do some type of liturgy, uh, is because liturgy is a way that we are formed for mission. And 
going through the Great Thanksgiving is the name of this prayer. It dates back to the second or third century. We see it in the writings of Hippolytus. And uh, even though the wording is modernized and contemporary, the structure of the prayer is from the third century or maybe the second. I have to double check my dates. Um, But it's a way that we reenact God's story of creation, incarnation, recreation, that we give thanks for what God has done in the past. We give thanks that we are encountering his real and living presence right now at the table, but we're also looking forward to that day when the kingdom will come in fullness and that beautiful image and revelation of the marriage supper of the lamb and all the people of God, um, all the multicultural, uh, beautiful mosaic of God's kingdom will be gathered at that table, feasting together. And so we look forward to that day. So when we receive the Eucharist, that's why we do it every week, because it is a means of grace and the liturgy forms us for mission. So we receive communion. And then we've been the last couple of weeks, um, I've been off to the side with anointing oil, if anyone wants prayer for anything going on in their lives. And so a couple of weeks ago, I preached on prayer and just invited the community, if they are just hungry and thirsty for more of God, to come and be anointed. And I pray that the Spirit would fall on them in a greater capacity or greater fullness than they had ever experienced before. And we had nine people respond to that and really were touched by just that prayer. And most people came up and they're like, I've never been anointed with oil before. I don't really know what this is or like what's about to happen. And I'm like, I'm just praying for you. And I'm using this, you know, oil is just a a tangible outward sign um, that we see throughout all of the Old Testament and New Testament of of the sealing of the Holy Spirit and, you know, when kings and prophets were anointed and commissioned. So I'm just going to anoint you with oil and the sign of the cross. I'm just going to pray for you. And they're like, oh, that's it. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> and so, but, and and then we just allow, like, while people have communion, while there's prayer time, that's just like an open space where we give the Holy Spirit time and space to really, for people to do business with God and to encounter Him. And so we'll sing one or two songs as, like, we're responding to God's revelation, but then we're transitioning to being sent out uh, as a scattered as a community scattered on mission um so we'll we'll end with a benediction and a blessing and then we've been uh we used to do dinner at the beginning but we've since we bumped up our time we do dinner afterwards so uh we transition right into food and so we have since people are already around tables they get food and they talk usually and we've been doing this since day one we be we gather around tables. And so this is a way that we build community, a way that people are actually known um, and can get to know one another on a deeper level. And so we usually ask questions like, what are you grateful for? Um, Last week, we asked questions specifically in response to the sermon as a way to just follow up and engage deeper conversations like immediately. Um, And so that has been a time that our community really looks forward to, whether it was at the beginning or at the end, we just love to eat. And that's why like, we always want 
uh, our gatherings and a part of our evergreen DNA to be food because everyone has to eat. And the table is a place where everyone um, is welcome and where everyone has a voice. And so uh, we just want to encourage, uh, that's another reason why we receive communion every week too, because the Lord welcomes all of us at his table. And so we want to remember that as well as proclaim that he has risen. And so, um, yeah, two different tables, the dinner table and the Lord's table are a part of every evergreen gathering. And, uh, yeah. So then after that, so dinner's like 45 minutes long. Um, but since we moved it to the end, it just creates like an open ending to the night. Uh, so people can stay as long as we want. When we were gathering at our house, we would get done around seven fifteen, seven thirty. But everyone would stay at Kim and Mai's house until nine o'clock at night. That was our boundary. Like nine o'clock, we have a, a one-year-old get out of our house. We love you, but leave. Um, so, but it was that was such a rich time for people to really get to know one another. And we're hanging out in our living room and in our kitchen, and we're sharing stories, and we're just uh, hearing from one another and just celebrating what God's doing. It was just really fun. Uh, and so by switching dinner to the end now, we create that space where if people need to go, they can go. But as Huron Hill said, we have the whole run of the place uh, for the whole night. So we can stay as long as we want. Um, and and that's, that's evergreen. Hmm. Well, that's awesome. Right there, we've gotten a, a big glimpse uh, behind the doors or maybe lack thereof. <laughs> <laughs> of evergreen. Yeah. Uh, and it's just really cool to hear all the different ways in which you're implementing things. You know, the church is very diverse and a lot of churches, uh, you know, they're always trying to find like a specific niche and what to throw out and what to keep. But what's cool about evergreen is, you know, there's this intentionality behind trying to blend uh, so much together, not just in method, but also in uh, uh, the streams, as you say, and and bringing in all these different avenues for for people to experience really a, mm-hmm. a lot of wholeness in yep. service, uh, in in mission, and and everything else. So it's really cool uh, to be a year in and just kind of be able to look back. You know, when this thing was starting, we watched a video of you talking about uh, what was going to go on and. And uh, we we all kind of waited to see exactly how that would play out, and now we get to look <laughs> back and just kind of see the journey forward and and see uh, the fruit of it. So, mm-hmm. with that being yeah. said, uh, before I let you go, is there anything uh, you want to end on, or do you feel like you you got to the heart of it? Um, I was just gonna, I was going to end with it's just we found that our our kind of niche. I mean, our dream is to really be intergenerational and multicultural. Um, but right now, like our niche is everyone's in their twenties and maybe just about early thirties. And so we just talked about, um, what, you know, if God would only have us be a church of millennials and Gen Z, like if that, if that, if, if that is what it ends up being, like I'm cool with that. Um, we're going to try to reach and connect with some older, more seasoned people. Um, but what I found is these, the intentional community and the ancient roots, historic roots of the faith really are 
speaking, like Jesus is showing up to young people, uh, to de-church people, to people who are on the verge of being de-churched, and even people who have grown up in the church their whole lives. They are finding revitalization and they're finding greater wholeness through ancient liturgy and through um, intentional community uh, and actually being given the challenge to be missional. And so I don't see what I do uh, as a pastor and church planter. I'm not called to do ministry myself. I'm called to equip other people to engage in God's mission and do ministry. And so raising that level of challenge, especially in a church plant where we don't have these established systems or a building or, you know, anything, it's like, no, like if it's going to get done, you have to do it. And so that's, it's just been really encouraging to me to see the body come alive and live out its, begin to live out its full potential um, as sent ones and as missionaries. So uh, it's been incredible to see what God's done in the last 10 months. And that video you mentioned, it was funny because I was the only one where we hadn't started yet. And so it's just like me aimlessly wandering around Ann Arbor <laughs> Dustin recording me, not knowing that he was recording me at certain times, and then seeing like the Kreidermans and and Journey of Faith and the other groups that actually had live people, which that reminded me maybe we should make another video and update it for annual conference. But um, anyway, yeah. But the Lord is good. The kingdom is reigning in Ann Arbor, um, and people are finding hope in Jesus, and it's been really cool to see. Awesome. And yeah, you mentioned uh, your job as a pastor to equip, and that right there, just a reminder to all our pastors, that's pretty much the biblical definition, to equip the saints for the works of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. So uh, just an encouragement from Derek today as to how we can all broaden our horizons and uh, some strategies that maybe a lot of us haven't thought to implement or maybe we're afraid to implement. And uh, just a lot to, to learn and soak in right there. So, Derek, we just want to say thank you uh, for uh, the work that you've been doing in our conference and for today letting us kind of uh, soak in some of the fruit that you've seen through that. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Podcast. <laughs>